you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with someone who is uh, really someone who's been been part of the the music scene here and and in, and throughout Canada as well um, for for many years. Um, I, I feel like I, I probably should have had you on the show <laughs> earlier because you're someone who's sort of been like a, a integral part of, of especially the punk scene um, in Winnipeg and a number of other cities as well. But I think the best way to kind of get started here, because uh, there's I think a lot to talk about, is for you to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is that you do. I started off as Martin Howell. I became Johnny Sizzle. I moved back to this cornball hick town and became Martin Howell once again. Johnny Sizzle is, is why we're talking here, right? I mean, because because of your kind of uh, ongoing career playing this uh, this acoustic punk thing that you've been doing for uh, decades now, and you, you're kind of a pioneer, uh, I think, of that, of that whole style. I mean, I'm I don't the think... first in Canada to do it. For sure. I don't think anyone else sounds like you, even today. I mean, even though a lot of people kind of do that punk acoustic thing now, um, you are definitely like it's a, an original. It's <laughs> bullshit. Well, what's kind of the origin of that? I mean, I, I know, like, you know, this is something you've, you've talked about before in other interviews, but how, <laughs> how did you end up being that guy? Like, how, how did you Here's go... Here's the origin. All right. There was once a young man who said to himself, I really like punk. I think I'm going to play it. But I think electric guitars are too expensive and their amplifiers are too heavy to carry around, and that is a hassle. Even more of a hassle is having a band together and keeping that band together. And I knew with my personality defects (laughs) that maybe I can't keep a band together, but I can keep myself together. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I took an acoustic guitar, and I just started putting the power cords to it like like grinding it to it and i've gone on since well and your, your style and has been the same too, right? people are making a big fucking deal over it well i think it's i think people are making a big fucking deal over it because it's kind of rare for someone these days especially um to be doing something that is is that unique and is that diy and is that kind of uh you know true to the whole uh, punk rock thing for so long right i mean there's a lot of people who start bands or do solo music or whatever and it lasts a few years and then they they, they kind of pack it in and go about getting a real world job or whatever you want to call it but you've been plugging away at this for, for forever and you're still going and you still have that same sound that is well uniquely yours i, th- I, I, I think a lot of it is this i grew up with intellectual disabilities so there, I don't want to say a cloud around me, but there was always a sense around me that I'm not going to do much in my life. Okay. I'm not going to have the big job where I'm making lots of money, being a boss or something like that. I might not even be able to keep that job of whatever it is. So there was more of this, well, as long as I stay out of trouble and not be an asshole to people, things are going to go okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How has that worked out for you? 
fine. Uh, other, <laughs> other than along the way, I've, I've, I've also been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Okay. And so that obviously... And, comes... and I seriously need to take these meds. Like, if I don't take these meds within, like, two or three days, I'm a little hard to handle. Yeah. And that's something you've lived with your whole life? Like, having having that kind of... Uh, th- th- those issues that, that make it hard for you to do some of these things that, uh, like you said, become... The intellect... The... The intellectual disabilities. I I'm really not sure about the schizophrenia. Okay. I'm really I'm really not sure. It it kind of felt like around age twenty seven. Uh, split up with this girlfriend, and. I kind of did a little bit of this. Well, screw Canada. You're boring. <laughs> and I went down to New York City and I couch surfed there for a couple of months and I played guitar in the subways and on the streets. And and, and there, there, there were like a couple of like small cafes that would have me play down there and what they called um, the Alphabet City. Okay. That's uh. Sixth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, blah 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 blah, and then there's A B C D streets, you know. Right. Yeah. Alphabet right. City. And yeah, just kind of seemed like from there, I didn't care anymore. Didn't care about advancing, making money, or anything. And. For a while, I went up to Sudbury, and I lived in this cheap hotel, and they had a live bar downstairs, and they ended up liking me. Okay. And, like, to the point where I was, I was like, one of their main people that they had playing there. And let's see. After about a year living in Sudbury... I was contacted by this fella named Ben Darvell. He wanted to make a record. He want, he fashioned himself a, a record producer okay. or a hopeful record producer. And he brought me down to Toronto to, to record. And this was my first time ever really recording a CD before this. I was selling everything on cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think no, 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 no. Maybe I put in put out one or two CDs, but they were really like, like made at home and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then um, I really didn't like that experience, and I'll admit to um, being a little bit of, uh, like, uh, what is that saying? Uh, a duck in, in, in hard waters. Okay. I'm not sure I've heard that one before, but okay. I, I can't think I kind of get what you mean by it, though. Okay. A fish in hard waters. Okay. Okay. And, well... He made the recording in order to try to, to try to get like big major labels to like it, and it didn't work. Yeah, I didn't like the recording. I'm sorry to say that because I do still get along with Ben Darville quite a bit. I enjoy his company. Was it just that it was I'm too? A, I'm that type of person that if I enjoy your company, I tell it to you. Yeah. I make you aware of it. Okay. So I feel bad that I didn't enjoy recording with him, nor did I enjoy how it all sounded later. Right. Personally, and this is all pie in the sky, and it can't be proven anywise, but if my rec- this recording I did with Ben Darville was re- was released 
a year later in 2001, maybe going into 2002, maybe, but it's the music industry. There's a lot of maybe in the music industry. The thing is, I kind of think I would have caught on with all those people that are saying, I'm tired of the pop stars. I'm tired of the boy bands and everything like that. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I would be like the male Avril Lavigne. <laughs> but is that something that you would want to do anyway? I get the impression that you see, you seem a lot more comfortable doing the DIY thing and, and having that kind of, no, uh, no, no. Okay. All right. I've always asked for a manager. <laughs> Being on these fucking record labels, I stare them right in the fucking eye, and I tell them what my problems are. Yeah, and then I need a manager. And all of them, they say, uh, "Don't worry about it, DIY, just do it yourself." And I'm like, you "Stupid! <laughs> I'm telling you, I need a manager." Well, yeah, I guess you don't need them if you're doing the DIY thing anyway, because you've done but, that. But you know what? I I could be so confident in myself. Yeah. And for a very, very short man, I am quite <laughs> confident that if you put me in front of 20,000 people, I'm still going to try to rock it. Yeah, yeah. Put me in front of five people, and I'm still going to try to rock it. So, you know, maybe because I don't know, maybe I wouldn't enjoy being famous and I wouldn't know what to do that then if I became famous, maybe I I would think what a bloody hassle, you know, I'd be like, Sure, maybe I could get more dates. Yeah. Well, would they be dates who are like trying to use me? <laughs> maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. That's one of the things that comes with fame, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, it's hard to say. Yeah. Maybe I would, like, I have like a little bit of history with pro wrestling. Maybe. I would start wearing a mask on stage and go by a different name. Yeah, yeah. Or I would just get the hell out of the music business and then, I don't know. Don't you wince It's needless for you to solve I laid down with the unthinkable I even gave the devil a blowjob I got on top of him I looked him in the eyes We kissed mischievously I fucked the devil but the devil didn't fuck You know I fucked the devil, but the devil didn't fuck me. I fucked the devil. Yeah, I fucked the devil.
the devil, but the devil didn't fuck me. Ah, oh, fuck the devil. enjoy doing doing radio like what you do yeah well and you've been I doing that for a long that. time right you have a whole history of of doing uh not only it's radio like but my like other TV personality and... yeah it's like my other personality that's martin yeah yeah so do you think of johnny sizzle as more of like a it's like a, it's, it's like a separate persona right it's 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 the the music side of things and then martin yeah. is everything else and the, and the radio and you know previously when you did uh cable access tv and all that stuff that's martin versus johnny sizzle and martin's the nice guy right okay okay and johnny sizzle is what the asshole or <laughs> um his chance to be an asshole okay okay <laughs> What I guess what keeps you doing this? Uh, I mean, you know, like you've been doing this for for as long as I can remember. I'm not super old. I'm I'm 40, but uh, you know, I, I've been going to shows since the mid 90s, and you were playing shows then, and that wasn't even kind of the beginning of it for you. Uh, what kind of drives you to keep making music? Like, is it are you one of those guys who kind of can't stop uh, creating? I get a rush. Yeah, that's the answer. It's a good answer. I get a rush from it. And I that... don't get too many opportunities to play it in front of people. Yeah. Seems like I've moved back to this town. Everyone has a big stick up their ass about me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, when did you but move back? I think that's going to turn around. Yeah. I think by now they realize that, wow, there's, there's all these performers here in Winnipeg, and they're so meek and shy and... <laughs> You know, that's the way of the Bible. And the Bible isn't good enough anymore. <laughs> and we're searching elsewhere. Yeah. And they're looking at me. <laughs> You're the answer. I am. <laughs> what? I guess, um, like, that, that, that idea of it being a rush... Uh, well, for, actually, but... Skip that for a second. What, what you just said about kind of the the attitude people have in Winnipeg. How long have you been back here? Like, I know you you were saying before we uh, started recording that you were kind of more, uh, you feel more accepted in, in Vancouver than you do in Winnipeg. What, what kind of is the timeline for when you, you left here and then and came back? February of 1995, it was a total El Nino year. Yeah. So winter wasn't cold at all. Okay. It was a it was a very nice winter. It was like, like by early February, it was like a minus two out there. Yeah, that would be nice to have that again. Yeah, so I moved into this really crappy apartment in the North End, and I finally said, "Fuck this town! I'm leaving. I'm not spending my youth here." Yeah. I went to the Trans-Canada Highway. I flipped the coin whether I'm going east or west. It came up east. Can't remember what side, but I decided to go over there. I hitchhike. I start hitchhiking. Just me, my guitar, a backpack of a bunch of shit I don't remember. I first got picked up by this farmer guy. He drives me to like something like Steinbach, <laughs> drops me off, and then this guy 
He was in a semi truck for Snyder's Meats. Okay. He picks me up. He's like a he's like a biker dude. He looked like he had like stringy hair and he had like these big dark sunglasses and everything like that. Yeah. And like we're we're like he's like she's like we're like snorting coke and driving at like 120 <laughs> miles per hour down bumpy like northern Ontario road and everything like that. Yeah. And he made a deal with me. He said, I'll drive you as far as I'm going. I'm going to Montreal. As long as you keep talking and you keep me up. Yeah. Because I want to get what I got in the trailer there as fast as I can. And I just motored my mouth and talked about everything from sports to weather to pornography to (laughs) politics and everything like that. And... It was a real trip for me and everything like that. I, yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed listening to the CB radio and, and all that code talk that they, they do and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we got to Montreal, and then I was just kind of like, well, I've always wanted to visit Montreal. Like, I've always thought it was cooler than Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was homeless for two months. In Montreal? Yeah, and I and I went to like those Christ the Church, Jesus saves kind of like homeless shelters. Yeah, and I, and I was really good as a homeless person. Okay, I wasn't into drugs. Uh, I wasn't into screwing around. Uh, I did not get into the sex trade or anything like that. Yeah, uh, I just, I just, I did. There were certain spots in the Montreal subway station and everything where you you they're busking spots. Okay. Where you could play and stuff like that, and you don't have to enter like pay your money to enter where the trains are and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I did just to move around the city and everything, but. When the church mission would be open uh, again, they'd be taking in people for the the dinner and then like uh, uh, like sleep, like you'd, everyone had to go to sleep at nine and everything. Yeah, I would make it. I would do my best to make it back by six o'clock at at the, at the homeless mission. Okay, so I was living this way for about two months, and then on my birthday. Yeah, I saw this. I saw this classified ad looking for models. Okay. And then I, 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 I said yes. I went down to it, and they took a photograph of me. And I, I even though I was homeless, I did shave regularly when when I was homeless. Right. I'd find a way. They did, you know, giving out free razors and shit like that, and. So, on my birthday, I get a phone call at the homeless shelter, and they're like, come on down. You've been selected for this modeling that you're going to model jeans. Okay. Blue jeans. They were called Hollywood jeans. And I went down there, and they took pictures of me and paid me, and it was more than enough to, like, buy my own own apartment. Wow. From there, I went to it was, and it was a cheap enough rent that I could, uh, you know, slip back on to pot to like welfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it was cheap enough rent. Okay, it was cheap enough rent that I could also use that money to go into places like Massachusetts and New York City. Uh, all over Pennsylvania and stuff like that, as well as Eastern Canada, and, and play shows and stuff like that. Oh, cool. All right. Well, then, 
like I would come back to Montreal in time just to pick up the welfare check. <laughs> and then just keep going back on the road. Um, not always, but at, at, at least like every two or three months I, I, I would do that. Okay. And then, and then there was this naive woman who heard one of my songs on Toronto radio and she just had to meet me. And I guess she was going on some rebel thing. Okay. Like, you know, like, to, you know, piss her dad off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she wanted me to come down to Toronto and, 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 and be her boyfriend and stuff like that. And it was like one of those, you ever have one of those relationships where it just seems like it's going too fast? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, you've only known each other for two months and you're starting to live together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it went like kind of that. And, um, and I did have in my head because I did enjoy playing shows in Toronto, but I kind of more liked to play there when I wasn't from Toronto. Okay. Like as a visitor. You know, yeah. Um, you know, there, there's kind of a, a saying in, um, I guess, pro wrestling, but also in acting, theater, yeah. maybe even in music, and that is, how can we miss you if you don't go away? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. You get bored, right? <laughs> someone's playing every every night then it's not it's not as exciting yeah yeah so i but i guess i felt like sticking it out for this relationship and stuff like that because she was pretty fucking hot <laughs> and um what we, we we did have this kind of like we're little kids kind of relationship like friendship kind of thing like we're little kids trying to figure life out <laughs> kind of like that yeah yeah but it just kind of seemed like once she graduated from art school she just wanted to break up with me and felt there's no future be- with us and I said, well, fuck it. I'm going to New York. Right. And, and, I, and I lived the wildlife there and um, kind of checked out like, like, like the drag queen and the tranny scene there and stuff like that. There's, there's even this one bar I went to. It was just, I don't know, it was just the freak scene, I guess. Like, anyway, at, the, at that point... I was really into working out a lot and like big muscles. Yeah. And I liked wearing wrestling masks. Okay. At the time. And there was this one drag queen that had uh, a Saturday night show. It was a very popular Saturday night show. And it was kind of like I became her bodyguard. Okay. And yeah, I would show up in these like, these wrestling masks but they'd be like sparkling um like like silver or they would have like some futuristic kind of thing going on with it okay and yeah i would stand there all like crossing your arms and looking (laughs) imposing and stuff like that and that was the image that she wanted is that she has a bodyguard yeah and it's it's like but who is he who is he if i could only see his fucking face man (laughs) (laughs) like okay anyway new york i really did it in new york i can say i've been in new york lived there and i didn't do it boring in any kind of way yeah Unfortunately, I had to come up to Canada, like back to Canada, because it was starting to get cold down there, and I I couldn't pick up like work that you know paid under the table. Yeah, 
I had friends down there. I had friend. I had friends in the punk scene down there, and they they were all like they were all like connected to like whatever restaurant or whatever whatever place. I can't what 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 other businesses they were they were connected to. They could employ me. Yeah. Just based off based off friendship, you know. And then when I asked, "Will I be paid under the table?" and they're saying, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> sorry martin you know and so yeah with the last bit of money i had pretty much with the last bit of money i had i got on a greyhound bus back to toronto there was major drama at 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 this house in toronto uh and it actually was more between me and this uh this other young woman named christine and uh it kind of seemed we got along great when we played gigs together, and uh, when uh, we, we would put on this like Wednesday night uh, avant-garde artsy fartsy night. Okay. Uh, I believe the place was called the Generator. It was on it was on Queen Street West, but really far, far down Queen Street West, and. Uh, yeah, it seemed like when we we were doing shows and and everything, we were just uh, and just frolicking at, at a nightclub. Uh, we were we were getting along like 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 we're best friends and everything, but living together uh, didn't make sense at all. Like to the point, like like we were like constantly bitching at each other. Yeah. So- I said, fuck Toronto. I'm going to Sudbury. That's right. Toronto. <laughs> I choose Sudbury over you. Why Sudbury? Because there's the townhouse tavern there and it's cheap rent. And then there, there's this like, um, there's this like live bar and they're, they're really, or at least at the time they're, they they're really needy for like like live music and shit like that, and yeah, and it's I don't know Sudbury's cool Elgin Avenue go go down it sometime. Yeah, I've never, um, never been never been to Sudbury. Nope. Um, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of like Toronto, but if if it was only 10% of Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then, and then I told you uh, about the record producer who wanted to produce me and that brought me back to Toronto. And then I lived in this punk house for, a, for a bit. And then when the record didn't work and stuff like that, and then I went on this tour and then I met the people out in Vancouver, and I got so so along with people in the in the Vancouver scene so well on just this one trip. Yeah, where I I, pl- I just played like six gigs around Vancouver, and I got so so I got along with the the Vancouver scene so well, and then uh, once I got back to Toronto, and I I. I I realized, well, I, I'm not really getting along with people here and, uh, you know, and uh, and then I decided, you know, I don't care how long that bus ride is. I'm going to go. And, you know, and I, I went there. And at first, at first I was trying to get this job, like any kind of job. Like I even kind of gave up music and I was like putting on suits and ties and going to job interviews and I'll sell this and I'll sell that and and stuff like that. And then um, on my way home from these job interviews, I would stop off at the Cobalt Vancouver's Hardcore Bar. Yeah. And I'd stop off there for like, oh, I'd say about, three beers and once again everybody in the punk scene i'm getting along with them i 
I like talking to them and they like talking to me and everything like that. And then they won, they came to me and they said to me, you seem very streetwise. Yeah. You seem to know what's going on. And what we need here is an eagle eye to make sure that nobody's selling drugs here. You get along with people, but you keep an eye on people uh, on people. And I won't go into to uh, the machinations. Sure. But well, we we were involved with the Hell's Angels. Okay. And they only want drugs to be sold at one place on the street that we're in, and that that was like across the street at the at the American Hotel. They only want that one place where everybody goes who wants drugs. Right. And they want so they they wanted somebody to be a bit of a busser, be a bit of a bouncer, but mostly be a total rat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I spent 4 years doing that. Okay. And I I love the Vancouver scene. Love it. Smash it with the face and choke around your neck. Smash it with the face and choke around your neck. You deserve my hatred for all your mistruths you've said. I hope you see. Bullying at that. Then I see you all on the Facebook decrying homophobia, you lying rats. But things are different when no one's around. To me, you're a complete dickhead. I hope your scene dies and forever stays dead. Stays dead. Stays dead.
Why did you come back? What was the incentive to come back to Winnipeg? My mother was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. That would and, be a good reason, yeah. And I felt that I didn't know my mother well enough. So, just in case she dies. Yeah. I want to feel like I knew my mother better. And uh, my mother recovered from cancer. Oh, good. That's just great. And I knew she would because she lives a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. She always has. Exercising and eating right. And uh, and she's careful. And uh, so that's why I came back. It was it was all about my mom. And have you stayed back that if since from then until now? Have you stayed? Yep. In Winnipeg? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is your? But I want to say. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Once family's done, I'm done with Winnipeg. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. I'm moving. Well, I was going to ask you what what is your kind of relationship with with the music community in Winnipeg now? Kind of, it's kind of like I know these misfits. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to put a little heat, some pepper, <laughs> salt and pepper. But I experienced a lot of homophobia when I moved back okay. to okay. Winnipeg. I went to my parents and I told them that in the 11 years that I was away from Winnipeg, I discovered a lot about myself that I'm a bisexual. I think the queer lifestyle is pretty fun. Yeah. I'm not the most over-sexual guy there is, okay? In fact, I'm pretty normal. Yeah. And I went to them and I said, you know, mom and dad, I had some really bad homophobia and threatening to get, like, gay bashed and everything like that when I was a younger man here and stuff like that. And this is really serious stuff. Like, yeah. Like, sure. like. Like these guys showing up with baseball bats with nails in them and stuff like that and and stuff like that at at, at my apartment. Well, wow. this is back in 1993 and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know these these guys weren't kidding around. Anyway, come back here and it's still the fucking same for whatever reason through the fucking punk scene. I'm experiencing all this homophobic bullying and all I've come here for is to support my mom. I don't want to get in trouble because I don't want my mother while she has cancer to worry about me because I'm in jail because I beat the fuck out of somebody that I absolutely hate. Yeah. That sucks that you have to deal with that shit. Like you think that after all these years later, one would hope that Winnipeg would have got better and the punk scene would have got better. And I noticed right after that, oh, you don't get to play gigs all that much. So do you think there's that? That's I, the- I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, you know, some poor man's Kanye West, but is some conspiracy theory, theory or conspiracy theory, like, 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 like after me and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's been fucking hell. That sucks. It's been but- fucking hell. If people could just take the stick out of their ass and listen to me grind on my guitar, then they'd be okay. Yeah. Well, and that I think that there's probably a, a fair amount of people who who do want to hear you do that, right? I mean, aside from the people who are being assholes, like there's there's definitely a, a contingent of Winnipeggers in the punk scene and elsewhere who who remember you from the other times you've lived here and have heard your well, records. And, and, and I definitely have trust issues. Yeah. With the punk scene in the city. Yeah. In fact, they should call it Winnipeg instead of Winnipeg. That's obviously affected your ability to to play shows, right? I mean, because that's sort of the, the scene that one would think that you would uh, be a part of. I mean, just based on the type of music you play. Yeah. So what what's that been like? I mean, have you been able to play a lot of shows since you've been back? I know, I know you. I've well, seen... it's it's like I've made a whole new group of friends that kind of like. Yeah, we know your 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 history is deep with Canadian punk hardcore. Yeah, but we kind of let when when I'm not so edgy and I'm fun to be around, 
fun and colorful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. They seem to enjoy being around me. And I'm playing more now with these kind of like indie rockers, uh, uh, psychedelic rockers cool. types. Um, it all started like maybe around 2012. I started making friends with Paige Grabot. Awesome. And, 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 and the bands that she was in. And then that led to meeting um, more of her younger friends and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's more of that, like, like these bullshit tough guys, I have nothing to do with. Yeah. What, uh, what's sort of your plan for the, the, the near future? I mean, are you making any more recordings or, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, cause you put out something, I guess a couple years ago, right? Would that be the most recent, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I put it out on March the 18th, 2020, and uh, right the beginning COVID of those, yeah. lockdown happened on March the 17th. Yeah, that's so terrible So it timing. got no traction, got absolutely no traction, no radio play whatsoever. Yeah, that's, yeah and, that uh, sucks. Yeah, it totally sucks. Uh, um. I'm a little bit all right about it. Like, I kind of think it would have really sucked if, like, the album blew up and then, oh, wow, people really want to see you, man. <laughs> and then they can't. But yeah. we can't gather together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to find your music? I mean, I know you have, like you said, you had, you had tapes you put out uh, on your own when you first started out. You've had all various CDs and working with various, uh, you know, labels and people. And, and uh, where, where can you find this stuff? Is it all sort of just floating around in random locations? Or what's the best way to, to track down your music at this point in 2022? I left everything that I've ever recorded on Bandcamp.com. Awesome. Yeah, and... Uh, there, there's, there's, there. I'm still on MySpace. MySpace still exists. Yes. I didn't even know that. I thought you, it was dead. you could go on MySpace and listen to I think three or four albums of mine for like totally free. Nice. They don't stop you to say, whoa, whoa, whoa! You've been listening too much. Now you gotta pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's none of that. You, you could, you could listen to. Yeah, there's a good, like, four albums on there that you could listen to for completely free. Awesome. So, yeah, MySpace, what a site. I've, I've made a couple of, like, picture videos for YouTube. Okay. So, so there's that. There's not too much of that, maybe, like, five or six of those. But then there's there has been people out there who have taken my recordings and made, like, videos of their own. Oh, cool. Okay. So if you go on YouTube, you, you could, there, there has to be, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't count last time, but I would say maybe close to 20 or maybe a little over 20 of these videos. Are they fans? I don't know. <laughs> I wrote to them and just had a nice conversation with them. And that was it. All right. So you have, you have a new record coming out. What can you tell me about it? Uh, it's on Transistor 66 Records, and the last time I looked at it, it seemed like there were 12 songs on it. I did do a Leonard Cohen cover, so I guess I'm going to have to talk to the Cohen family and say, hey, how about it, or just release it and Hope for the you best. Know, say sorry later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it runs it. The recording runs everything from like, like really sensitive, heartfelt songs to I, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a Gigi Allen okay. and like, like, like stuff that you would go, Oh, how rude <laughs> and stuff like that. So it, it, it runs, it runs like, it, it, and I'm kind of I'm thinking of making a track listing where, um, what you could call, uh, the sensitive songs are the 
for first six songs and then the insensitive songs <laughs> for the last six songs. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of appeasing both personalities. So the side A side B thing, but on a CD. Yeah. And I'm calling it I Cannot Forgive You. Okay. It's a good title. When is that coming out? I don't know, but it will be soon. Awesome. It will be soon. Uh, I'm thinking of um, about a kind of get done with all that, you know, Christmas uh, present buying and stuff like that. And may maybe whatever else you spend money on <laughs> around that time of year. Yeah. And then in January seriously going down to a, a CD manufacturer and, and, and putting it out cool and stuff like that. So my, my last, my last recollection was there was, there was better than 12 songs on it. And, and I'm really laying in the power chords. Cool. I paint. I really am. If you're someone who cares about the acoustic guitar you won't care about me. I can 